Well, this morning, <clears throat> we're going to continue in our series that we started last week. It's titled, Devoted, Finding Joy in the Spiritual Disciplines. And as I, I talked about last week at the start of the message, I wanted to kind of set up the, the reason and the rationale for this series this time of the year. And, and I said, really, the whole point at the beginning last week was to get you to understand the goal of spiritual, the purposes of spiritual disciplines, keeping these in focus for us. Because if we get off base with, with what we're aiming towards and we start to think, well, these are just things pastor said I should be doing, or these are things I see the, the text of scripture telling me I should be doing, and they become checklist items for us, you're going you're gonna to miss the benefits of doing these things. I said last week, the goal of practicing spiritual disciplines is the joy of flourishing in godliness. I mean, those are intentional words that I put in there. For this goal, it's joy and it's flourishing for you. That's, that's what we're aiming for here. Not, not just, here are a bunch of things for you to do. Here, here's some things that you could incorporate into your life. No, no, no. What I'm telling you is engage in these things. Press into these things because there's joy and flourishing to be found both in the process and in the result that they will bring. So if you remember, the, the text I kind of started with last week was an important text to me. 2 Peter 3.18 tells us, Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. And so I, I said, this is, this is what the Bible's telling us to aim for, right? Is growth, or, or you could translate that flourishing. That's what God intends for us. But the Bible doesn't just tell us, hey, here, here's the goal, good luck, <laughs> Head that way. No, it gives us more than that. It tells us how to pursue joy and flourishing in our lives. And the way that we move towards growth, the way that we move towards flourishing as Christians is by doing the spiritual work that 1 Timothy 4.7 tells us to do. There we read, remember last week, this kind of verse talking about spiritual disciplines. To Timothy, Paul writes, train yourself for godliness. Or in the New American Standard Version's language, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. This is the goal, that you and I would have joy and we'd be flourishing in godliness in our lives. And the way we will get there, the way we will experience that is by living lives intentionally marked by what we call the spiritual disciplines. This is the training that we need to undergo in order to produce the results. And so today I want us to talk about the, the second discipline that we're going to consider in this series, the spiritual discipline of prayer. And as Wendy said earlier, the title of the message this morning is Pressing into Prayer. Pressing into Prayer. Now, if you're a Christian, this is a topic I'm willing to bet you have heard a lot about in your years as a Christian. I know I have. I can think back, and I was doing that this week. I was, I was recalling various prayer services that my church had when I was a kid, and various times I heard about prayer as a kid. So one of the earliest places I remember going to church, I've mentioned this to some of you before, is a little, little tiny church. Makes us seem like a big church compared to this little tiny church that I went to called Gospel Lighthouse. Very small church. I attended there when I was a, a pretty young kid. And I have distinct memories of prayer services there and what those looked like because they, they were a contrast to something I'll tell you about in, in a moment. The memories I have of prayer services and, and nights of prayer, typically Sunday evenings at that church, were very basic and simple, very quiet. That's what I remember the most about them. The, the services, to the best of, of my recollection, I was pretty young, would start out maybe with a song or two always a, a hymn, and I remember my grandma played the piano, and so I know we'd start with a little bit of music, but then it was time to pray, and prayer there was just 
quiet prayer. People, people were in the room sitting, and, and I remember being struck as a kid with just how focused everyone could be on prayer. There wasn't a lot of talking, there wasn't movement, there wasn't music, it was just prayer. Every once in a while someone would, would perhaps open up the Bible, read a passage of scripture, lead in a little prayer out loud, but, but by and large it was just quiet, simple services focused on prayer. And I remember, I remember that because I was a young enough child to remember how hard that was for me to do. Like, well, I could pray for a little bit, and then after a few minutes I started to get a little sleepy, <laughs> right? Or a little bit of restless. It was so silent, but I remember seeing the people looking around the room and seeing people just praying to the Lord, quietly, personally focused. Then as I got a little bit older, we went to a a different church, a church called Park Place. At the time, Park Place was in the inner city of of Wichita. And so we drove through to get there every week, some, some really low-income areas, some, some places where uh, if, if it was just my mom and the kids, the, the, the doors would be locked. My dad, you know, didn't care quite so much, but we went through some areas that were pretty rough to get to this church, and I remember for many years as we were there, um, a lot of formative things happened in my own spiritual life. One of the things was prayer services. We would have prayer services there, and they were so different than what I had experienced at Gospel Lighthouse. The prayer services in Park Place were this much larger sanctuary, and usually the way those prayer services started was the pastor sharing a, a devotion on prayer, something from the scripture, maybe encouraging us towards a particular topic or just the concept of prayer, but I remember there'd be a little bit of teaching, then there would be uh, usually a song or two, and then what was so different was either we'd have the band up front continue to play music while we went to prayer, or they'd turn on a, a CD. And this is, you know, back when worship CDs were, were kind of all the thing, right? So I can, like, remember the, the same yellow disc. Like, I had that, that CD, and we'd listen to it at home because we knew they'd play that CD. At, anybody tracking with me here? Like, okay. So there's always music going. The sanctuary is much bigger. There's a lot more movement. There was, there was more engagement in it as well. They would print uh, handouts, and they would give us all handouts with prayer points, or they'd put them up on the projector screen. No nice uh, 1080p HD TVs back then, right? This was four by three projectors, but there was some guidance to that. And usually, some leader in the prayer service would stand up and, and kind of help us shift. We're going to move from that focus to, to this focus now. There's more guidance, and there was more um, energy in that room. And it was so different than the quiet, hour, two-hour-long prayers that we'd had at Gospel Lighthouse. Now, the memories of those two different types of prayer services have stayed with me in my Christian life. And as I reflect on prayer, I can recall not just the services and those times of prayer, but I can recall throughout my life specific sermons on prayer, specific times of teaching, so specific conversations with people about prayers and books that I have read on prayer. Prayer has been something that at various times in my life has been struck in profound ways that have changed how I have wanted to go about praying. Different times have given me different motivations for prayer. Sometimes it's even challenged the way I've thought about prayer. But all of this to say my experiences with prayer have shaped who I am and how I can pray today. So as I keep getting older, and my life now revolves pretty much completely around caring for and discipling other Christians, prayer is a really important topic for me not to just practice personally, but to invest in others. And so what I have found to be very helpful for my own heart, for the heart of other people around me, is to spend time reflecting and focusing on prayer at at regular intervals. 
And my hope and my desire for you through today in particular is that you would, you would find the defining moments, you would find these types of services that are really impactful to you. You would hear something said in this sermon or some of the other sermons that I've given on prayer that something would, would stand out to you, the Spirit would use that to push you and shape you towards growing and thriving in your prayer life too. Being a good prayer is not just something pastors should strive for. It's the calling of every Christian, and I want that for you. So as we start into the, the new year here, I find most of us, or at least many of us, are naturally kind of encouraged and maybe disposed to evaluating ourselves a little bit more. We might, we might think about things we want to do a little differently in this coming year here as we're in the beginning weeks of 2021. And what I've found over the years is that resolutions about prayer are often the spiritual equivalent of getting in shape, right? You know what I mean by that? So about everybody that I know, at least in passing, will say after we've gone through a month long from Thanksgiving to, well, a little more than a month, right? Because you don't just go for 30 days. It's like Thanksgiving to Christmas and then all those days up to the new year, they don't count at all, right? So you've gone through this whole period of holiday season, eating the big meals, eating all the treats and Everyone around here can cook so well, so everyone's so generous with treats, right? You're dropping off, oh, check out this peanut brittle I made. Great, that's wonderful. I'm not just going to eat, you know, two, three bites. I'm going to have the whole thing, right? Or, oh, fudge, great, four pounds of it. Wonderful, we'll have that done in three days. Wait, we're all, we've all done this over the last month or so. And so we get to the new year, and, and I, almost everybody I know says something to the effect of, starting in January, I'm going to eat better. Maybe I'm going to work out a little bit more. I'm, I'm going to get in shape. 2021. This is the year. Well, we all do that physically. I, I think spiritually, a lot of Christians make similar resolutions. And for Christians, a lot of times I find one of the resolutions we make is, I am going to pray more often. And I'm going to pray better in this coming year than I did last year. But unfortunately, just like the resolutions about getting in shape, if we're honest, those can start to fade after a month or two. Our resolutions about prayer can fade about that same time or sometimes even sooner. So as we talk about prayer today, my, my, my hope is that you're maybe already thinking a little bit about these things. And my hope is that this moment, something said today, the, the big idea maybe of today would just stick with you and empower you to, to not go for a month or two with this idea of I'm going to pray more, I'm going to pray better, but, but that this would actually be a formative moment that would last all throughout this year. And years from now, you could look back and go, that, that moment, the start of 2021, I felt like the Lord really, really drew close to me, really lit my heart up to find joy in prayer. That's the goal. Remember, anytime throughout this series that we're talking about a discipline, anytime I'm talking about encouraging you to do certain things, to take certain actions, it's not just because I want you to put them on the checklist. It's because I want you to find the joy that God has for you in practicing these things. So if you have your Bible, turn over to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 today. We're going to go to a couple of other places, but this is the verse I'm going to keep bringing us right back to. So if you have your Bible, flip over to that so, so you can see the text in front of you. I want to let this verse press in and shape how you're thinking about prayer in this new year. Hebrews 4, verse 16 tells us, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Just right off the bat, I want us to be on the same page with what this is saying. This command to draw near to the throne of grace is what we as Christians are doing when we are praying in this life. 
right? None of us are able to physically go up to heaven to the throne that Christ himself is seated on at this moment and physically draw near to Jesus like that, right? Despite the sentimentality and the imagery of the hymn, he walks with me, there's really no garden place on earth you can go to and Jesus will show up and physically walk with you in the garden, right? This is not a command for us to make a pilgrimage somewhere, to go to a place to find Jesus over there. This is a call to prayer. That's what's in mind here. John Bunyan is the English Puritan pastor who today is is most famous for having written a book called A Pilgrim's Progress, The Pilgrim's Progress. But John Bunyan wrote a number of other really helpful works too, and most of them came while he was in prison for preaching the gospel. He has a fascinating life story. Several years ago, I, I was in a season, like I said, these, these intentional times I try to build in of thinking about prayer often lead to um, a, a conviction of studying prayer and trying to practice prayer a little more diligently or in some new way. And, and several years ago, I was in that season, and I really wanted to grow in my understanding of prayer and how I was praying. And at that time, I, I knew the name of John Bunyan. I'd read Pilgrim's Progress years and years ago, but I really didn't know much more about him. But someone I was talking to recommended to me one of Bunyan's books on prayer called A Method to Prayer. And I read it, and I found it to be quite helpful at that time. But kind of jump forward to this last Christmas, just a couple days ago. Actually, if we go back to November, my, my birthday on the 22nd, you know, it's like this big birthday, and, and so I was able to convince my in-laws for a bigger gift <laughs> because it was, you know, it was a big birthday. So I said, you know, what I'd really love is there's this brand new Puritan collection that's just coming out from Band. I'm like, it's just being released November 17th, I think was like the launch day. I'd love to have this set. And so they said, okay, well, we'll do it. It's big enough. We're, we're going to kind of go in on it, and then it's going to be birthday and Christmas combined. I'm like, fantastic, awesome. Well, then my mother-in-law decides you can't have it for your birthday because it's birthday and Christmas combined, so you got to wait. So I have the agony of knowing she has the book. She even sent me a photo. I'm like, how cruel is this? She's got the book sitting right there, and she's like, aren't you excited for Christmas? I'm like, yes, I'm excited for Christmas. Bring me the books. But she wouldn't. Anyway, I opened the books on Christmas, and I'm so excited, right? I mean, these are just beautiful, hardback bound. The typeset is wonderful, quality paper. Book lovers, it's just a dream. So I'm so excited for all of this. And what I find in the set is a collection of Bunyan's works on prayer, works that I hadn't read yet. And so since Christmas, what I've tried to do several different nights, we have a, a chair in our bedroom. And after we get the kids to bed and everything's kind of settled down and, and you've got that little moment to breathe, I'll, I'll turn on the lamp there and I sit in my chair and I've been reading these works of Bunyan on prayer. And I've been finding such great insight from this pastor who's a, a faithful lover of God, proclaimer of the gospel, and died 393 years ago, but is speaking so powerfully to my own heart. And today, as I, as I started to read into Bunyan, you know, I know a lot more about Bunyan. I've read his biography since the first time I ever encountered him. And the thing that struck me now, reading about Bunyan, talking about prayer, is this. One of the reasons that John Bunyan was sitting in prayer when he wrote these books was because he refused to simply use the Book of Common Prayer. So they wanted him to stop preaching, and they charged him with preaching unlawfully because he was preaching the gospel. And they also wanted him to stop telling people how to pray aside from just use the book of common prayer. That was what they wanted him to do. And he said, no, no, there's so much more to prayer. He was teaching his people to pray using their own words, bringing their own needs and concerns before God 
instead of just reading pre-written prayers, closing the book and calling that prayer time. <laughs> now, you and I go, of course. What do you mean? How is that controversial that we would pray with our own words? Isn't that what we do? It is what we do. And the reason we believe that so powerfully is because men like Bunyan suffered so that Christians would be taught that's what the Bible calls us to do in prayer. So look again at Hebrews 4.16. This is what I saw when I was looking at this text and, and reading Bunyan and, and he pointing towards it. Hebrews 4.16 tells us, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so as I was looking at this text, thinking about prayer and the call to pray that's here, I wrote this statement down in my notebook. Prayer is not just the recitation of words. It is a profoundly personal and precious gift for believers to draw close to God. What I loved reading John Bunyan was because I found in him the same desire that I have for you today. Bunyan was a, a pastor who loved his people dearly, and he wrote these books on prayer to them because he couldn't stand in his pulpit and tell them these things. So he wrote them down and sent them off so his people could read what he believed they must know. He wanted them to know how to pray well. And he wanted them to understand the danger that comes when we fall into the temptation of just seeing prayer as a ritual. So Bunyan writes to his Christian readers, and I would say this to you too, understand, it is not long discourses nor eloquent tongues that are the thing which are pleasing in the ears of the Lord, but rather it is a humble, broken, and contrite heart. What Bunyan was telling his people in language that may be a little foreign to us today is he's saying, listen, having a good prayer life, being a person who's truly good at praying, does not necessarily mean you're a person whose words are really eloquent. It doesn't mean that your prayer list is really detailed. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're able to sit aside hours and hours of quiet, dedicated, uninterrupted time to the act of prayer every day. Forms and methods do not necessarily make a person a great prayer because what matters most is your heart. And so Bunyan writes to his church and he says, go, go read Isaiah 57, 15. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, listen to what he says, I dwell in the high and holy place, but also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly, to revive the heart of the contrite don't miss what this text is telling you and I. God is not only high and lifted up, not only inhabiting eternity, not only far above and transcendent of us, he is with his people who are contrite and lowly in spirit. God expressly tells us he's with us in our brokenness. He's with us in our weaknesses. He's with us in our humility. He's with us in our unworthiness. If we grasp that truth, then prayer becomes something far more precious to us than simply reciting words. It's talking with our God who's with us. Go back to Hebrews 4, 16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. 
when are we told to draw near here to the throne of grace? Look, look at the verse. It's in time of need. When you're weakest, when, you are, when you're most unable to get whatever it is you need done on your own, that's the, the time where God says, draw close to me. I'm with you there. Like, this is such good news for us when you think about prayer because that's when you need to be praying the most. And if we're honest, that's probably the moment when most of us feel most unworthy and most unsure about our prayers is when we're so desperate. So hear me on this. God's goal, inviting us into prayer, is not so he can learn what we need. God's goal, inviting us into prayer, is not for him to judge our commitment to him based on how much time we're allocating to prayer that day versus everything else. God's goal in inviting us into prayer is not so he has an opportunity to either be impressed by how great we are at prayer or really disappointed that we haven't got this figured out yet. No, no, no. God is inviting you and I into prayer because he loves us and he's with us and he has a relationship with us. If you think prayer is is any of those other things, you are not going to want to pray. Just just to take the, the first example, if you think that prayer is something that you need to do to inform God or motivate God to work in this world, you're carrying a burden that is far too large and you have a view of God that is far too small. Like you and I, we are not called to pray because God needs us to be his eyes and ears down here to, to know what's going on. We're not, the, we're not the messengers or the reporters who have to come back and let God know what's happening in Nelsonville, Missouri. Like your job is not to, to come and say, say Lord, I, I don't know if you saw, <clears throat> but we're having trouble this thing. I don't, know if, I don't know if you're paying attention. The country, whew, we've got some problems over here. He knows. He sees and knows everything. Job 28, 24 gives us this great confidence for he, that's God, looks to the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. To make it more specific, Proverbs 15, 3, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. You and I, when we get to bring our needs and our concerns to him, it's not to inform him of what's going on, and it's not to convince him that he needs to work. Prayer is a chance for us to lean into the relationship that we've been given with God. This is a relational invitation. He doesn't need us to pray so he can figure out what to do next. He's inviting you and I to open our hearts and to to have a true personal relationship with him through prayer. Again, Hebrews 4.16, let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Prayer, my friends, prayer is an invitation for us to come close to God and to experience grace and mercy from him. If you've ever experienced prayer in this way, If you would rightly understand prayer in this way, you know that God already knows my needs. What he's asking me to do is open my heart and my expression to him. It's it's not for the sake of information. It's for the sake of relationship. When you understand that, when you experience this in prayer, you understand we're approaching God to receive grace and mercy, and he's closest to us in our weakness. If you've got that framework, you will want to pray. If you're struggling with, I I don't feel like praying, I would ask you, do you understand prayer like this? Because if you do, I don't understand how then you don't want to pray. 
If you don't want to pray, I think it's because you're, you're viewing prayer some wrong way. Maybe you think you have to inform God or convince God to, to do something, or you're just doing it because you're told you have to do it. No, no, prayer is a relationship, and if you have a real relationship like this, you want to engage in it. Going back to John Bunyan, he writes, By prayer, the Christian can open his heart to God as to a friend and obtain fresh testimony of God's friendship to him. That's such good insight from this pastor. Listen, coming to God in prayer is a chance for you and I, an invitation to you and I, to unburden our hearts, to share the things that we are feeling, to share the things that we are thinking and experiencing with one who cares the most about you. Look, you and I need this in our lives because we're, we're built as relational creatures, every one of us. The God who created them, male and female, in the beginning created us not just to exist on our own, but brought us together. He created us male and female so we'd be together, so we'd have relationship and companionship in this life. Even introverts like me need someone to understand me and hear me. So it's with my closest friends that I can find this type of relationship with my wife and with my friend Isaac, I know I can freely and openly share my heart with them. I can, I can say, here's what I'm feeling, here's what I'm thinking, here's what I'm struggling with, and I can trust, I know that they will hear me, they will listen to me, and they will respond to me in a way that's for my good. That, that doesn't always mean it's what I want to hear, <laughs> Sometimes what's for my good could be, could be hard. It could be challenging me. It could be giving me some kind of feedback that corrects me or redirects me. Or my favorite, it could be affirming me and supporting me, right? But they will, I know if I share with them as my friends in the relationship that we have, I know they'll respond to me. I count on that. And when it happens, time and time again, what it does is it builds my relationship with them even more. And when I share what's going on in my life with them, I find oh, the load is a lot lighter, my heart is more unburdened because I need this. As a human, God built me for relationship, and you are exactly the same as I am in this. But more than just having a couple close friends, what God's inviting us to do in prayer is to talk with him and unburden our hearts to him, to build our relationship with him as we open up with what's going on in our lives. And the best part about this with God is he already knows what you're feeling and thinking and doing. So he's never going to be surprised. He's never going to be caught off guard. And hear me, Christian, hear me. He will never regret having his relationship with you because of what you share with him when you're honest in prayer. God already knows everything about you. He knows exactly how weak and broken you are. He knows how many times you fail. He knows your deepest struggles. He knows all of your secrets. He knows how broken your heart and your mind are. And get this, Christian, hear this. God chose to save you knowing all your faults and all your brokenness. God doesn't save any of us because of who we are. He saves all of us in spite of who we are. He loves his people knowing how unlovable we are. And at the cross, Jesus, when he died for your sins, Christian, hear me, he knew what he was buying. He didn't make a mistake. It's not all these years later, you finally open up to God in prayer. Here's what I'm struggling with, Lord. Here's my, here's my challenge, Lord. He's going, wow, that would have changed things back at Gethsemane. 
I would have been like, ah, I'm not sure about that one. I'm not going to pray for him now. Going to the cross for him? No way. Not doing that. No, no. He knows it all about you. He knew what he was buying. He knew what he was choosing to love. And so today when he says to you, come, come to me, be open, be honest, be genuine in your relationship with me, you have nothing to fear from God. See, I, I can have that, that tinge of fear in my humanness. There can be something I'm thinking about, something I'm feeling that I'm not sure if I want to open up and say that to even my closest friends. I, I, I don't know for sure how Malia would react. I don't know for sure how Isaac would react if I shared that. There can be a tinge of fear in me, but with God that should never be the case because he promises he will never reject me. When I draw close here, what does the text say to draw close for? Not condemnation, not, not judgment. It says draw near for grace and mercy. He already knows whatever it is I fear to share with others, and he's already paid the price for in the death of Christ on the cross at Calvary. So above anybody else, Christian, he is the one you can be fully open with, completely transparent, totally honest with him. And every time, Christian, he will respond to you with mercy and grace and forgiveness. 1 John 1, 9 is so beautiful. If we confess our sins, well, then he's going to think less of me. If we confess our sins, he's not going to be sure about me. No, no, no. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from some of the bad things I've done. No, no. All unrighteousness. That's what prayer is meant to be for us as Christians. When you come to Christ, when you are saved by placing your faith in Christ alone, the forgiveness and the mercy and the grace of God are what you will receive from him, not judgment, not condemnation, not disappointment. And if you're not a Christian today hearing this, isn't this, if you're honest with yourself, isn't this what you really need deep down? Like if you're honest with yourself and you look at your life and you look at your heart and you look at all the sins that are, that are in you, all the brokenness that's in you, don't you want that dealt with? Don't you want that dealt with with grace and mercy and forgiveness? Often when we hold on to it, it's because of fear. We don't know how others will react. We don't know what consequences may come. I'll tell you what consequences will come. How God will react if you don't draw near to him now in this life is you will receive justice. You will receive punishment for all those things. They will be exposed. You can hide nothing from him. Hell is reality if you choose to hold back, stay away from God in this life. It will all come out, and everything you fear will come to pass. But if you draw close to Christ, if you place your faith, your trust in him, his cross alone, that when he said, it is finished, when he says, trust in me and you will have forgiveness, when this text says he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness, if you trust in that now, then you have nothing to fear in eternity because all of it is put on Christ at the cross. Don't hold on to these things. Come to Christ. Come to Christ. Christians, if we understand prayer to be this relationship, then it will bring us joy when we engage in it. And if you understand this is a gift, this is not a checklist, religious, sacramental thing to do because then God will be more happy. This is God inviting you to receive grace and mercy from him for all of your needs. If you understand that, you and I will find great joy in 
prayer. So at the beginning of the sermon, I mentioned two things about my life from two different churches that I grew up in. The first was that I was shaped by prayer services. I mentioned that I was also shaped by influences, people talking about prayer. I heard good preaching about prayer. Obviously, I've read good books about prayer. And my, my hope and my prayer is that this day for you, this time for you, something that I said in this sermon would stick with you and shape how you think and how you feel about prayer. But the second thing that was so important in shaping how I learned to pray was that I grew in praying for, for things beyond just my little world, right? Praying for just my immediate needs and my desires and my closest friends and family. I learned how to pray through the church practicing prayer. And specifically, I credit a lot to when I was at, at Park Place, when I was able to see those prompts and have those guides given to me at various times, they always challenged me to think about things that weren't natural to my, my framework. And they were hands-on ways for me to learn as I used them and as I incorporated them into my life. And so that's shaped me to the, to the extent that at the start of every year, what I like to do is set aside specific time to, to focus on prayer and reflect on prayer personally and to do so with other believers. And so I find there's, there's really encouraging benefit to praying with other people along the same lines. I know other people are praying for the same things I'm praying for, just like I get encouragement knowing that throughout this week, many of you were reading the same passages of Scripture that, that I was reading. There's encouragement in doing this thing together. And so typically, as, as a pastor, I set aside the first full week of the year and, and make that kind of a week of prayer, and I put out a guide for the church to use in praying throughout the week. The guide will talk about how to pray for ourselves, maybe even challenge some of us in, in to think about praying for ourselves in ways we don't normally do, and then it, it kind of moves out from there, and it goes to other people that are both near and, and far from us. And, and so usually that would have been the, the first full week of the year, but last week was our, our first full week of the year, and I didn't set it aside as our week of prayer for 2021 because I felt convinced we needed to be sure that we were starting with Scripture. That's truly the foundation to all the other spiritual disciplines. And so I needed to, to make sure we were there, and I wanted you and I to have the first week to get into the rhythm of Bible reading together. Hopefully you took the, the plan. You've been trying to work through that. Maybe you used your, your catch-up day. Maybe you're going to use today for the, the rest of the catch-up you need to do. But, but you're getting in there. You're setting that foundation. That's good. And so, so this week, now that that, that starting point is, is there... We're going to set aside this coming week as a week of prayer for our church. They'll start tomorrow morning, going to go all the way through Saturday, um, leading up to our next gathering here in this, in this place. So at the Resource Center counter, right outside the doors, I, I've got another piece of paper for you to take. It looks just like this. It's got a topic of prayer every day. I, I keep putting these up here, and I don't know if they do you any good at all um, with the distance, but on, on one side, you've got a week of prayer, and you've got every day, and you've got a topic, and just... Three simple things. Here's a way to pray for this topic. And if you get praying and, and you think of new things to add into the list, just keep go. Keep going. You don't have to stop here at three, but these will get you started. On the back of the page is a list of all of our missionaries that our church supports as of right now. To really pray well, I, I believe you and I have to learn how to pray with just as much joy and with hearts just as much engaged in bringing concerns outside of ourselves to God. So all of this here is, is a way to help you in this coming week pray alongside other brothers and sisters who are in their own homes, living their own lives, but knowing together we're praying for the same things, for some of the same people. 
And I, I hope that, that that teaches and trains you and encourages your, your heart. And I, I really want to challenge you not to take this paper this week and then go, great, Saturday, done, toss it out. On the back, this, this list of our missionaries, I want, I want you to keep that. I want to encourage you, hang that up somewhere where you'll see it. Tuck it in your Bible if that's a good spot, but, but maybe put it up in the house so that everybody can take a look at that. The names on this list, the 17 missionary teams that, that we're supporting, I want us to support them more than just writing the check. Right? There's a temptation in us to think, you know, uh, we send them money, right? Yeah, but we're good. Like, yes, they need our money to get there where they're going and do the work they're doing, but you know what they need more than the money is they need our prayers. We need to invest not just financially, but spiritually in them. And so, so hang the list up. Make it a point to just pick one name and pray for them. Just one person a day. Tobiah and I have, have gotten into this habit, and we, we try to regularly pray through the list of our missionaries. And so what I did when I had this paper is I, I went, I printed, I put up this list on his wall in his room where, where he and I pray together every night because it's easy to for, forget a name, right? <laughs> it's easy to, to, to go back to the people that we know the best and to pray for them. And so I want to say, no, no, we've got 17 people here that need prayers from us, so every day let's make sure we're working down the list. And so every night he's going to be able to see, there's the list, here's the next person. And we're just going to keep working through the list. I'll challenge you, do something like that in your own home. I love all of you, and I'm, I'm really praying as we're talking about these things, we're, we're talking about implementing new disciplines and new practices in our lives, that 2021 is a year of spiritual growth for us. And I believe it will be if you and I will commit to positioning ourselves by practicing these spiritual disciplines, I know that we will receive God's grace and mercy and joy in our lives. Let's close together in prayer before we leave this morning. Father, we thank you for this privilege of speaking with you, drawing close to you. You know each one of us. You know all the faults. You know all the sins. You know all the things we're so ashamed of that we want to keep secret. You, you see all of them, and yet your love for us is unchanging as your people. I pray, Lord, for every brother and sister in this room that they would, they would feel the joy that would come with understanding prayer in this way, that they would feel the freedom that's, that's here in being able to draw close to the throne of grace to receive mercy and grace from you. And I pray for every heart, Lord, that's far from you, that's not submitted to you, that, that, that hearing this, hearing this invitation to this kind of loving, forgiving relationship, God, you would use that to stir in them something to respond, Lord. You would open their hearts to respond to you, to receive you, to trust in you and follow you from this moment onward, Lord. We thank you for the wonderful privilege it is of being in your presence and speaking with you and you speaking such good news to us. I pray for my brothers and sisters as we go from here, Lord, that you would be with us, that you would keep us safe, that you would bless us, not just materially, not just physically, though those are all good things, Lord, but that you would be with us spiritually close, that we would sense your presence and feel your work in our hearts every day. It's in your beautiful name that we pray, Lord Jesus, and everyone said, amen. amen.